This is in response to uh, who's floating anchor. I mean, one of the most valuable things in the world is an audience, right? You grow your audience first, then you leverage all those eyeballs to people who are willing to pay to reach those people. So I'm pretty sure they're in the let's grow an audience first, then monetize it later. But yeah, you are right. There's got to be somebody footing the bill for all these servers and design work and app development. Who's behind it? Hey, Debunk, this is Z. Thank you so much for your section, segment, that's the word I'm looking for, on meditation. About 20, 25 years ago, I was going insane, walking around endlessly, picking up cigarettes off the ground insane. There are two things that brought me back. A dog obedience training book and a standing meditation called Silumtal. I think the problem that people have with meditation is there is no mind. And so mind becomes a very ambiguous, subjective thing. Interestingly enough, Silumtal means little mind fist. And it comes from the Wing Chun system, which means beautiful flower. Beautiful flower. Hey, Kurt. Uh, of course I had to chime in on this particular uh, segment of, uh, you know, God, a.k.a. universe. And, um, well, the, the, the signs were the laws of attraction. And uh, there are huge problems with the whole philosophy and the approach of the laws of attraction. However, uh, I have to say, when I, on my first reading, I certainly was impressed by it and moved by it. Um, however, it did take a second reading and some thinking to see all those very obvious flaws. But my question to you is, what scientific facts were revealed by the Bible? What was there even one? I'd like to know. I'm, I thought I knew the Bible. All right. Talk to you later. Hi, Kurt. This is Z. Hope you're having a wonderful day. All right. Let's get right to it. Uh, I asked you to provide, uh, you know, to back up your statement that uh, the Bible had some sort of science, or at least a little bit of science. Uh, I claim that it has no science, or at least that you have not pointed anything out. In fact, the only thing that you pointed out was the story of Lot, which is, okay, this really points to the cognitive dissonance. We all have it. We all have it. Except I no longer have this form of cognitive dissonance. I have other kinds of cognitive dissonance, and I'm always trying to get to it and correct it so I can get to the next layer of cognitive dissonance. But the religious cognitive dissonance is the big one. That's the one that we all pretty much suffer from and it's going to destroy us all. Um, I'm talking about a future for our children and you turn to Lot's wife. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, the, the story, the biblical story of Lot. If you don't know what that story is, uh, Lot's wife turns into a pillar of salt, but Lot and his daughters escape to Zor and end up living in a cave in the mountains. And Lot's daughters realize that they are not going to find men to have sex with them so that they may have children and continue the family line. So they get their father drunk 
and over two consecutive nights have sex with him without his knowledge. They both get pregnant and the older daughter gives birth to Moab while the younger daughter gives birth to Amon. Amon. Really? What? Where is the science in that? Come on now. Where is the science in the story of Lot? On to science. Science is relatively young. It certainly didn't exist in the uh, desert 2,000 years ago. Not to the extent that we know it today. Uh, uh, Science is really about 100 years old. And as far as uh, using science, you know, for cell phones and electricity, yeah, that stuff has only really appeared over the past 50 years during our lifetime. So the Bible didn't uh, come up with F equals MA, right? It didn't come up with Newton's second law of motion. Uh, It didn't come up with uh, Newton's law of universal gravitation either. It didn't come up with the second law of thermodynamics, right? It didn't come up with uh, the Maxwell-Faraday equation. No, Maxwell and Faraday came up with the Maxwell-Faraday equation. And it wasn't from studying the Bible. Einstein's mass energy equivalence equals mc squared. That did not come from the Bible. The Schrodinger wave function, that did not come from the Bible. You cannot do to science and reason what you do to Bible, to God, and the philosophy. You can't do the same things to these things. One is just a faith-based belief system. The other is fact and reason and logic. They are always to be separable. In other words, you can mix the water and oil together as much as you want, but when you set the bottle down, the two separate. In order for science and religion to mix, you have to constantly shake the bottle. Maybe this is the problem we're having. It's definitely the problem we're having. They, they don't mix. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you do, you're just, you're diluting one or the other, and, and you simply can't. That's the beauty. I think nature shows us you just simply can't. I think people should be very alarmed at this level of cognitive dissonance that they inevitably indoctrinate into their children. Oh, certainly, definitely. Oh. So, anyway. All right, see, here's the thing. With this level of cognitive dissonance, with that level of cognitive dissonance, how are you ever going to deal with your own cognitive dissonance when you're dealing with this mass cognitive dissonance. I think that's the point. They want you to stay confused so you don't actually think about it. Yeah. And I love how they like to turn that around as if we're the ones that don't get it. As if as if we haven't experienced what they're experiencing, you know, this faith, you know, this love of God. As if, you know, as if this is a deficiency if you if you don't fall for this. Right. That's so ridiculous. You know, what gives me hope is the future, and the future is our children. Mm-hmm. Rob, 
Um, like a lot of kids I know nowadays, and I've met a lot of people, their parents can be really religious, but they won't believe in like any of it. And a lot, a big part of that is probably the internet, and probably just the diversity of the internet and like all the different stuff on it. But I don't know very many people that actually believe what their parents are teaching them. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I mean, on the onset, I'd be concerned about that. Like, you should listen to your parents, but not if your parents are just a bunch of religious nutbags that aren't giving you anything, any real uh, logic or reason. They just keep kind of mixing logic and reason up with some crazy story. That is how we progress as as a species, is every generation has to learn from the mistakes before them, and they have to follow what they think is right or what makes the most sense then you know this generation is is making sense of it all and I mean they have to they have to make their own sense of things and they have to do what they think is right and if you know this generation looks like they're gonna figure it out yeah so. I, I do I, I, I think that this generation our kids are going to be the ones that connect the dots and put the pieces together and that that that's what excites me, and and I really just wish that um, that people that are religious wouldn't uh, kind of have this attitude as if people that aren't spiritual or religious are missing out on something. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, they're also yeah. holding their kids back. They need to let their kids make their own decisions. Yeah. Yeah. They don't need any more roadblocks. about what they believe in. Yeah. Or not believe in. Or, mm-hmm. or you know, what they, they think is how the world works. Yeah. Hey, guys, do you feel like you have the freedom to uh, choose to be religious or not religious or spiritual or not spiritual? Yeah. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. So you have an open choice, right? Yep. Okay. And you don't have the freedom to grab the car keys and go drive wherever you want, but that's a different story. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah. Freedoms, yeah. Freedom, freedom to believe in. How about you, Terrence? Mm-hmm. How do you feel? Pretty good. About, oh, you're not listening to the conversation? About freedom it. religious? Yeah, do you feel like you have the freedom to choose? Do you feel like choose? oppressed religiously? No. Okay. Do you need Christ to save you, Sam? Oh, no. Leave Obi alone. <laughs> All right, well, um, you know, these sorts of, uh, of conversations can be very heated and emotionally charged. And um, I think that as adults, we need to get beyond that and, and really uh, take the bull by the horns, so to speak. Absolutely. <laughs> Bravery, that's it. Bravery, that's what it was, guys. Bravery, what are you doing just laying there? Um, Get up off the couch. Okay. I reprimand you on anchor. All right. Bravery. You know, the problem is our concepts of bravery. You know, you know what is considered brave these days? You know, being an MMA fighter, getting in the ring. Yeah. That's what bravery is. Yeah. You know what bravery is? You know, launching yourself off of some, uh, you know, building or, you know, flying through the air. That's what their con- the concept of bravery is. You know what the problem is? 
That's not what bravery is. You know what bravery is? Bravery are people like Richard Dawkins or, or Christopher Hitchens. Or, uh, uh, you know, you want to know what super awesome badass bravery is? Stephen Hawking. There's a guy in a wheelchair that depends on other people to keep him alive. And he's still just going, you know, like science, right? He's not afraid, not afraid of science, not afraid of the boogeyman. You know, our ideas of bravery really need to be shifted in America and not have this ridiculous, you know, sports hero bravery mentality. It's absurd. The bravery of modern day is the bravery of the mind, the bravery of intelligence, the bravery of being unique and a rare individual that's established their own perspective instead of mistaking their perspective for what is really just the group perspective. That's bravery. Come on, Terrence. Um, you got nothing. All right, Rob, what do you got? Um, I have nothing. What do you got? Be brave. Thank you, Bill T. Thank you very much. Ah, a little lad, you're staring at my fingers. Would you like me to tell you the little story of right hand, left hand? The story of good and evil? H-A-T-E. It was with this left hand that old brother Cain struck the blow that laid his brother low. L-O-V-E. You see, these fingers, dear hearts, these fingers has veins that run straight to the soul of man. The right hand, friends, the hand of love. Now watch and I'll show you the story of life. These fingers, dear hearts, is always a warring and a tugging, one again to other. Now watch them. Old brother left hand. Left hand hates a fighting. And it looks like love's a goner. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hot dog loves a winning. Yes, sirree. It's love that won. And old left hand hate is down for the count. How do you do it? All right, here it goes. Again, Y E S spells what? Yes. Okay. And what does E Y E S spell? E S. Okay. So Y E S spells yes. Yes. So then, what does E Y E S spell? E S. <laughs> you could do this for fifteen minutes. E Y E S is eyes. <laughs> See, that's how easy it is to fool your brain. That's how easy it is, folks. Hey, Z, I wanted to call in on that segment, The Secret is Bullshit. And, you know, I actually really agree with that sentiment to a very, very large degree. And what I love about your station in general is just the fact that you are so good at thought provocation. And it's... My favorite. So I realized this about myself. As I approach any subject, I open my mind to a world of possibilities. I believe in possibility. And I believe that there is shards of truth in so many stupid ideas. And for me personally, and this is how I approach the secret, the Bible, all of it. 
there's shit that works in there. And I don't give a fuck about the problems, the bones, the inconsistencies, the things I don't like. I just want the meat. And I want every scrap of it. Another reason for me why the correlation between God and the universe is not useful at all is, you know, if everything were wiped out today, flash forward until life has re-evolved in whatever shape that takes, that form could rediscover the principles of the universe and develop theories of, of gravity and understand interplanetary mechanics, all that kind of fun stuff, exactly the way that it is. But no religion would come back exactly the same way either, right? It, it would just be totally made up uh, like it is already. So to me, that's why equating God with reality doesn't work. Oh yeah, and another reason why science is a better way to navigate reality than religion is. Remember, religion flies you into buildings, science will fly you to the moon. I wanted to share some ideas I have about manipulation myself. Uh, basically, I like to think, are you trying to change somebody's behavior or their beliefs? And is it trying to benefit yourself to the expense of everybody else? Or are you trying to be benefit everybody involved? So if you're trying to benefit yourself and affect somebody's behavior, you're trying to coerce them. You don't care how they feel about it. You don't care about their beliefs. You just want them to do something you want. If you're trying to influence their beliefs for your benefit, that's manipulation. If you are trying to change their beliefs to the benefit of everybody else, you're trying to persuade them to your viewpoint. And if you're trying to influence their behavior to benefit everybody involved, that is what influence is. So those are the, the questions I like to think of. Is it solely to benefit you or everybody? Are you trying to change their behavior or their beliefs? Hey bud, yeah. I agree 100%. <laughs> the story of story lot, yeah, it's pretty fucked up. But, you know, in God's defense, he did bomb the living shit out of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham asked, like, hey, what if there was, like, ten people that, you know, were righteous? Would you save the city? And God was like, yeah. And Lot was there. And God still bombed the shit out of it. So, you know, I mean, maybe that tells us a little bit about God's opinion on Lot. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, Lot got his ass out of there, but his life just continued to go to shit. Um, the uh, thing, yeah, I mean, as far as the Bible and science, though, the thing is, is that there's realities that are in alignment with science. The Bible is not a science book, is kind of my original quote, my original point, was that it's not designed to be a science book. So why the fuck would you find science in it, right? But it does have some metaphorical disagreement with science. I get it. Yo, Integrity Radio, this is the Chad Sifu chiming in. I've been listening to the God Delusion book. I've gotten past the first chapter, and I have also been listening to Astrophysics for People in a Hurry by Neil deGrasse Tyson. And I think these two books really resonate with uh, all the things that have been discussed here on Anchor between you and Kurt and the great everything and all this other stuff because when people argue or defend something they had better have a firm understanding of both sides of the argument and with these two books audiobooks I think that is a very capable thing for anybody to do
So check them out, everybody. They're great audiobooks. Hello, Z. So, why is space getting bigger? Why is the space in between everything in the universe getting bigger? That would be awesome if we knew why. What are your thoughts? Okay, later. Aaron, this is Z. I don't know, why is space getting bigger? That's a good question, man. I have no idea. I'm not a physicist, um, let alone an astrophysicist. Not even a quantum physicist. Not even a mathematician. But now that you got me thinking about it, I can make some guesses. Uh, entropy. That's my first guess. Entropy. You know, if you asked me about the origins of life, I would have been able to smack that answer out with no problem. But the plank, what's beyond the plank, right? What's beyond the edge of space? And I mean, when we look out right now, we see just hundreds of millions of galaxies. We're not seeing stars, we're seeing galaxies multiple galaxies there may be cosmic systems in existence that don't follow the laws that we observe within our universe this shouldn't be at all hard to understand because the laws of life here on earth are significantly different than the laws below the surface of the earth or slightly above the surface of the earth so with this in mind um other solar systems or galaxies or universes having different laws than we have is completely within the realm of understanding and reasoning. But entropy is a great word. You should look it up. Entropy is one of those words that you have to know some physics in order to truly understand the word. However, there are vernacular understandings of the word entropy. Do you know what the term entropy means? Entropy? Yeah. Off the top of my head, I'd have to look it up. Well, it's not, it's not a surprise that you don't know it off the top of your head because even when you look it up and you read it, you're still going to go, huh? Because it's all in relation to uh, thermodynam uh, you know, thermodynamic laws hmm. and um, omega and blah 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 <laughs> i don't even understand i've heard the term before yeah 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 and i'm sure there's a more sort of uh, vernacular use of the term as well mm -hmm. like you know when there's too much of something and it uh, you cre it creates entropy like christianity is a is a, i've heard it as an example of entropy is because too many different religious factions Hmm. Uh, have come about and it's created entropy within the Chris. I've Chris. heard the term entropic also. Yeah, yeah, but um, but I would suggest that that entropy would be one of those things you look up and spend about an hour with, unless of course you're an educated person, then you just might need to be uh, you know reminded, reminded or refreshed <laughs> of the concept of entropy. 
Aaron asked the question, why, uh, why is, are things flying apart? Why are things, you know, why is the universe getting bigger? Oh, Big Bang never stops. Big Bang. Yeah, well, there are some theories that the, it, that it, it, like, we'd go to a certain extent and then it would kind of come back in and then forces would blow it back out. So there are some the shrinking theories, there are some expanding theories, there are some breathing theories. Mm-hmm. But as far as I know, the latest theory is it's expanding. And then that, that, that's, they're all that's, going with that. That's Yeah, that's the theory. Yeah. That's the most valid theory that I've heard and the most yeah. widely recognized yeah. theory is it just... Yeah, and you continues know, to expand. And, and, and like I explained, I, I'm not a physicist. I, I don't even know basic physics. So I, I, I would really be the worst person in the world to ask. Well, probably not the worst person to ask because <laughs> I'd give you the information that I know. I think entropy has to do with it. <laughs> I could be now, wrong. Now I'm going to have to look up entropy. Yeah. Um, <coughs> yeah, it, my saying anything about the expanding universe would be nothing more than a guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I'd probably be able to speak more authoritatively on God. <laughs> There's an old saying, and the old saying rings true to this very day. No good deed goes unpunished. And therefore, I make sure that I uh, keep my good deeds in check. Before I do anything for anyone, I make sure that the altruism has been wrung out entirely. That my motives are completely selfish in order to rid myself of any liability. And the lesson is always the same. Make sure and make double sure what your motives are. And for God's sakes, make sure you got what you say you have to give. Check and double check. I'm going to get poetic here. Okay. Yeah, probably. You know, I just said the line. uh, A good deed never goes unpunished. Is that? I think I just messed up the line. Did I just? Yeah, a good deed never goes uh, unpunished. Right. And so uh, that my rhyme is my. I'll bust a rhyme right now. That must be why deed rhymes with greed. So I'll just stick with selfish. <laughs> See, if you, as long as you do things for selfish purposes, I'm convinced that you're safe in life. But when you try to do deeds and stuff like that, you just you, you screw yourself. You're, it, it, you screw yourself, you screw the people you're trying to help. It's just amazing how that often works out and how often it works out that way. You know. So uh, what I'm saying here is that just check and double check your motives because if your motives aren't aligned it's got to be hard you know and so for me my personal motives Mm -hmm. have to be greed have to be no i want this for me 
You know, just like my wanting to help the world out. I don't want to help the world out because of any other reason. Not because I like people. I don't like people. On the contrary, I really don't like people so much. But I want people to do well and to be happy because that will create create a nice world for me to be in. That's all. You know, if I didn't have to deal with miserable people and shitty people, I, I probably wouldn't give two shits about them. But the reality is, is we do. You might actually like people better if you didn't have to deal with that. Do you ever think of that? Mm -hmm. Uh, Perhaps, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's what I'm saying. It's just a greedy motive. My motivations are greedy. It's not to help little Bobby out and little Sammy or, or, you know, Uncle Joe. Or It's not to help anybody out. It's just that, listen, I don't want to have to step over your homeless ass. I don't want to have to listen to your ignorant mouth. You know, I mean, it really is selfish. And I think that's a good thing. I think the people that try to say, well, I'm just trying to help people out and help. That bullshit. You lying son of a bitch. You're a greedy bastard and you want feathers blown up your ass. Most, most likely, you know. Most likely, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think probably even people who think that they are doing something for non-selfish reasons, if they really thought about it, could come up with some selfish reason. Yeah, I just think that people, it's easy to back off from greed and go to selfishness. In fact, I don't think it's backing off. I think go from greed and like graduate to selfishness because greed is self-defeating. Yes. Yeah. I mean, eventually greed will screw you every time. Yeah. So, um, what were we talking about? (laughs) No good deed goes unpunished. No good deed goes unpunished. Yes. Yes. So, you know, you just make sure you don't do any good deeds. You just make sure you do (laughs) selfish acts. They're selfish acts. That's what I feel I do is selfish acts. No good deeds. That's bullshit. If I didn't think I would benefit some way, then I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't waste my time with it. Yeah, but the benefit could also, it, it could be to better the world, I think, which is what you already said. But that's a, that's a good benefit. Okay, here's your definition of entropy. Entropy is the measure of a system's thermal energy per unit temperature that is unavailable for doing useful work. So it's basically... Um, a way of defining the energy that is no longer available in a system. So it, you know, it can be applied in mathematics, it can be applied in physics, it can be applied to the universe, it can be applied to philosophical reasons, things that basically just become stagnant. So it, you know, it can be used in a lot of different ways, but entropy is just the way of something saying like a battery is running down and it's just no longer useful. So entropy, entropy, entropy. That entropy. A, yeah, that was a Marsha, Marsha, Marsha uh, <laughs> reference. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think you probably have a more, um, hmm, how should I say, uh, scholastic understanding that's not the word i'm looking for academic understanding that's the word i'm looking for 
I think you have a, a greater academic understanding of entropy. Um, however, I do have an understanding of entropy. Um, and in this case, one, one thing is a whole, and then it gets subdivided and subdivided and subdivided. It no longer has the uh, same potential. Um, yes, only it, the way I understand it is only if once it's subdivided or um, melted or diluted or whatever you want to call it, if it cannot go back to its original potential. You're right. Yeah. So if if you have something that can be spread out and then put back together and it still maintains its original potential, uh -huh. potential energy, then it is not considered entropy. But if you have something yeah. that once you dilute it and spread it out and then it no longer has the same effectiveness, then it's entropy. Yeah, that sounds about right. A lot of uh, I've heard echoed is you cannot go back. And so this whole concept of like the earth shrinking back or the universe rather um, shrinking back or breathing or expanding and mm -hmm. contracting um, really wouldn't make sense in uh, as far as I can understand it. You know, it m makes sense that things just keep going. I mean, there's nothing stopping it. That's the problem, right? There's, there's, there's nothing stopping uh, all of this mass and energy from continuing outwards. Right, there's nothing to reverse the process. Right, right. So, uh... It's not so much stopping it, but reversing it, putting it back to its original state. Yeah, like, um, uh, bodies set in motion stays in motion kind of concept. That's, that's sort of an old Newton concept, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Or is, or is that a fitness? <laughs> I think that might have been a, I might have just slipped a fitness uh, idiom in there, axiom. I, I think fitness people like to repeat that stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, entropy. Entropy is an interesting word, and I think that it's one of those words that's used a lot and not really understood or is assumed understood better than it actually is. Because I've read a lot on entropy, but I still don't feel qualified to speak on entropy. You know, I feel like I should be listening more. <laughs> to, it seems like a very um, difficult concept. And, and I think it is probably applied to things that truly aren't in the state of, of entropy. Yeah, yeah, there's probably a lot that can be said about entropy that is very true and isn't guesswork, like, you know, is our, is our Earth system an entropy system or entropic? Would that even be the same use of the word? I think it is. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and to what extent... Uh, uh, yeah, uh, and of course, when you ask it out loud, yeah, of course it would be. That's the whole concern. That's why we want to get get out of here. That's why we got to figure out how to do interplanetary uh, travel. Um, but it's not just the Earth. It is the entire universe. I mean, there's other issues to get out with the get off the Earth and, and spread throughout the universe, but it, the entire universe is expanding and theoretically you know, falling into a state of entropy. 
Yeah, yeah. But like uh, one of the things we're talking about is that this window of of opportunity for seeing things as they are may only exist a short time and may disappear. And we may yes. never see well, things I, I, clearly I, again. I think Earth will become unlivable long before the universe itself oh, yeah. is unlivable. Yeah. So certainly we need to spread out. Ever, ever, ever smart enough to live that long. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Integrity Radio. Hi everybody, Z here. Ronnie and I have just finished a series of paintings. And if you'd like to see them, you could click on the title link and it will take you to my Twitter page. Enjoy.
Thank you.
Good night. Good night. Oh, you're listening to Integrity Radio. And a working woman, too. And working like a, a woman. Working, working like a working woman. Oh, my God. That doesn't sound very good. doesn't sound good at all. Good night, everybody. Listening to Integrity Radio. Learn the art of self-correction at www.sifuzi.com. Follow Sifuzi on Twitter at Sifu underscore Z. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more Integrity Radio. foragers. The frontier was everywhere. We were bounded only by the earth and the ocean and the sky. The open road still softly calls. Our little terraqueous globe is the madhouse of those hundred thousand millions of worlds. We, who cannot even put our own planetary home in order, riven with rivalries and hatreds, are we to venture out into space? By the time we're ready to settle even the nearest other planetary systems, we will have changed. The simple passage of so many generations will have changed us. Necessity will have changed us. We're an adaptable species. It will not be we who reach Alpha Centauri and the other nearby stars. It will be a species very like us, but with more of our strengths and fewer of our weaknesses. More confident, far-seeing, capable, and prudent. For all our failings, despite our limitations and fallibilities, we humans are capable of greatness.
What new wonders, undreamt of in our time, will we have wrought in another generation? And another. How far will our nomadic species have wandered by the end of the next century and the next millennium? Our remote descendants, safely arrayed on many worlds through the solar system and beyond, will be unified by their common heritage, by their regard for their home planet, and by the knowledge that whatever other life may be, the only humans in all the universe come from Earth. They will gaze up and strain to find the blue dot in their skies. They will marvel at how vulnerable the repository of all our potential once was, how perilous our infancy, how humble our beginnings, how many rivers we had to cross before we found our way.